Prospective clients turn to you because they have a problem they want you to help them solve. Show them that you understand their problem and have the expertise to solve it. In this podcast, Aaron Weir talks with Kate Norton, founder of High Peak Growth, which provides strategic business guidance to help companies boost their sales and exceed their revenue targets. Will we see you at High Point Market? We have some great events that we can't wait to see you at. On October 14th, you can attend The Pros Know and They're Telling You, results from the 2023 Interior Design Business Survey to power your best business life. Afterwards, catch three top ways to build your business, the lowdown on fees, team structure, and what you want from vendors. Then on the 15th, come see You Deserve to Make Great Money Doing What You Love. And then tell the truth, what real designers do to win at business. You can learn about all of these events at thepearlcollective.com events or on the High Point Market website. Well, Kate, let's dig into mapping the customer journey to build trust and create raving fans. It's great to have you here today. Well, thank you. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. And um, that's quite an intro when you hear it, you know, with somebody else saying it. So thank you. I feel very welcome. I think everyone deserves a Friday with an intro like that. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. Well, let's get started. I know that you and I have had a couple of Friday morning conversations in the last couple of months to to prepare for this. And uh, we started talking about um, your love of the Story Brand book. So tell me about the book Story Brand and why it's the best marketing book that you've ever read. I, it is very near and dear to my heart. I do love um, the story brand concept. Um, I have always sat at the intersection of sales and marketing in, throughout my 20-year career. Um, you know, And sales and marketing blends so much. Mm-hmm. And even more now, I think, than uh, you know, when I started in my career at an advertising agency right out of college. You know, it's, um, it's just blending more and more. But the reason... The story brand really resonated with me is it felt like it wasn't just like another business book. Um, I'm an avid reader and the story arc was just something that resonated deeply. I understood it. I understood that, you know, there is a character who has a problem and um, is looking for an expert and a guide. And, you know, that's really can we can overlay the customer journey, you know, right onto that story brand uh, story arc. And so it just really resonated with me. And I thought, yes, this is the answer for entrepreneurial com- companies, especially who don't have the benefit of, you know, huge marketing agencies at their disposal, you know, with um, with all of the bells and whistles, you know, that come with working with a large marketing agency. I feel like this is a solution for them. Great. Well, tell me, um, do you have some examples of how you've used stories to tell someone else's brand? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have examples of that. I think that what would probably, you know, be helpful for for this group of people is to, you know, understand like what that that story arc is. Um, mm. before, and, and I can use some examples that we all know, and I think that might resonate even more than specific clients I've worked with. But you know, the story brand arc, you'll see it everywhere. If you're an, a reader, if you love movies, if you're watching television, um, you know, if you think about like an example of like the karate kid, right? You know, there was Danny, right? He, he was going into a karate competition and he met his expert guide, which was Mr. Miyagi. Um, you know, that's one example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think about one of my favorite books or one of my favorite, uh, you know, movies from childhood, Greece, Sandra D. 
met the pink ladies. You know, she had a problem. She was trying to get the guy, you know, maybe not the best example right now for us, but <laughs> the, the pink ladies helped her, right? They helped right. zhuzh her up and, and got her going. I mean, there's just so many examples. Um, you know, obviously like Luke and Obi-Wan, right? That was a guy. So, you know, if you think about that character who, you know, we're going to now talk about our character as our potential customer and that potential customer or that character has a problem that they're trying to solve and they're looking for an expert, a guide, you know, somebody that's going to give them a plan that can help solve their problem and lead them to success. So, you know, starting there just to frame it up, I think is helpful, you know, for everyone. So I, I'm not sure if I exactly answered that question, but what I will do for clients, you know, when I work with them one-on-one is come in and first we got to figure out what the problem is. If we don't understand what the problem is that our, our potential clients have, then we really can't, you know, create that, that story arc. Well, I know that you, and let me know when you want to bring in the worksheet that you put together. Mm -hmm. um, we've got our download link that's been out in chat. We'll post that again. But um, Kate did put together a, a worksheet for us today. And um, let me know in our conversation when you sure. want to actually bring that out. And I can um, I can try to pull that up on my screen. Um, so, you know, a lot of designers don't necessarily feel like they're writers or storytellers, right? So what do you recommend to your clients that don't feel confident in their ability to storytell or write? Right. So I think that's where we go back to. We've just got to spend some time really holding space for understanding what the problem is. And so I work with I work with clients across industries. Um, I'm you know industry agnostic. And so what does come in as common is that we have to figure out what keeps them up at night. And so, yes, that is part of and, and we can pull that up if you want to you know, kind of look at that right now. It's a, it's a way to frame it up to really build trust um, and, you know, really create that sense of we get them. So empathy all day long. So we, when we're writing, we're going to first figure out what that challenge is. So, and I don't know if I, if you've got it up, Erin. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I, I was trying to be all super groovy and have it up ahead of time. And, uh, you know, no, you're fine. so, you know, it, and again, it's, it's kind of taking a clarity break and writing on a piece of paper, what's my client's problem. So I'm thinking about specifically from the design industry, um, you know, as we start to drill down more and more, I, you know, I, I, I went through a kitchen reno. I went through a first floor renovation actually. And what my problem was, was that really, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed about my space. You know, I wanted to be able to host people. I wanted to feel comfortable with them coming into my home. And my problem was I was pretty embarrassed. And so, you know, that's what we're trying to drill down to. So kind of looking at this customer trust builder, it's just a way, it's a place to start. So we're going to start up, um, and I call these the four Ps, but we're going to start up at the top right corner with pain problem. And so spending some time with, you know, and even in different sectors. So if you're working with commercial clients, if you're working with residential clients, restaurants, retail, you can really separate this out with each one of your, your clients. Mm -hmm. um, so thinking about what are they worried about? What keeps them up at night? What are they wondering? And, and spending some time there and really digging into that. 
So kind of pausing there, is that making sense? Is that resonating with kind of just setting up this, this story? So right now we are, we understand who our character is. Well, if we don't understand who our character is, we need to spend some time understanding who our character is, right? You know, who are our, who are our um, channels that we are, uh, that we're serving, right? Because we want to serve versus sell. And so understanding those channels, then understanding what worries them, what keeps them up at night. I was working with a client, um, you know, who was in a very different industry actually last week, and they do some property management and they work with boards. They sell to boards, uh, board of directors in property management and HOAs. What they were worried about is they wanted to be able to walk their dog through their community and not have a target on their head of that they weren't doing a good job in managing mm-hmm. the community. So really digging down and thinking about that emotion of what their what their problem is. Um, do they have do they have a, a graduation coming up this year with a senior? And are they, you know, going to host in their backyard? And do they need, you know, a, a redesign? Um, you know, what is their problem? Um, and so it's that awareness of the problem. Mm-hmm. That is so important. And I'll use another example. I have um, a son who's going off to college. And I didn't know until IKEA told me all the problems I had with, <laughs> <laughs> with you know, getting my son prepared to go to college, right? right. I had uh, decoration problems. I had space storage problems. I had transporting problems with getting all the stuff there. Um, so, IKEA helped me become aware of the problem. And that's the top level of the marketing funnel, right? right. Um, so then we go from there and we're and we're thinking to ourselves, okay, well, you know, what does our how does our product solve that problem? Um, you know, what specifically, you know, do we have um are we a residential design service that offers XYZ? You know, what keep it simple. What do we do? You know, don't oversimplify it. Mm-hmm. How do we answer that problem, right? So for IKEA, you know, they have a um, multi-level solution step for families that have kids going away to college, one-stop shopping. And then we want to think about moving to position, you know, how are we really unique? How is our company specifically really unique in the industry? And I'm, mm-hmm. I really ask you to dig down into this and don't think about, you know, we've got... Um, you know, industry knowledge. Well, really everybody should have industry knowledge, right? right? Um, We have, you know, um, a great design team. Well, everybody should have a great design team. What is so specific about your product and unique to anybody else? And the way you can play with this a little bit, Erin, is kind of go back to the old, you know, feature management benefit or what's in it for me with them. So if you come up with a, a unique attribute of your product, you say that unique and then you um, role play it like you were in front of a potential customer and say what this means to you is. So we have, um, I'll use an example. Um, We have a a flat fee uh, design service, let's say. What this means to you is you can budget, you know, for your project without any concern that there's going to be fluctuations on the Mm -hmm. invoice. Okay. Are there any other examples you could share? I'm just kind of, I'm thinking for myself too, on the positioning of the unique, the uniqueness of what you deliver. Um, Some other examples for maybe interior designers. 
Yeah. Um, well, give me one. Give me, do you have a, something and I we can kind of play with it a little bit? Like what would be um, a unique that one of your pro collective clients would say? And then we could play with that a little bit. Yeah. So maybe one of the unique things that our, one of our clients does is um, like vacation homes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. So they they have this kind of a, they have the clients that are in their area in their city, but then they've gained their trust and they're starting to do more vacation homes. They really love doing the vacation homes. And now they want to do more uh, people in the community of the vacation homes, even though it might be a little bit farther from where their business is. Yeah. So our unique is that we travel with you. Right. And what that means to you that. is, you know, it's something like that. One of the unique aspects of XYZ design firm, if I, if I'm like, you know, selling for them, one of the unique aspects of XYZ design firm is that we travel with you. And I always say like, come up with something fun there. We travel with you. What this means to you is wherever you are in the world, you know, we will, um, we'll come to you and, uh, that fee is included in our flat rate. And you can feel confident that the experience that you got here in your home base will also translate, you know, to, uh, your vacation. So here's a question that just came in from Sabine on this topic, and it's what could be a unique attribute for a multifamily? For a multifamily like a unit, you know, like a multifamily design, Mm -hmm. a multifamily like that's your customer or your is that the customer that you are? She said it's a building. So I think the customer is probably a builder that she's helping with a a multifamily building. So what I would what I would come back to is bring it back to um, you know what is the unique of the product, not necessarily who you're who you're calling on, right? So how does your product serve? So for example, if you have a design team that serves both residential and you know multifamily, mm-hmm. if you're calling on somebody who has a portfolio of both, you would say one of our uniques is that we serve multiple markets. What this means to you is da 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 da. I love that. Does that make, is that, did I answer yeah, that? Sabine, does that answer your question? Just go ahead and type that in the chat. Yeah. And then what I'm really, mm-hmm. and the, you know, this is fun. You want to play with this and you want to challenge yourself because mm-hmm. we have a tendency to fall back on the things that everybody else says um, and really kind of digging into and, and, and holding the mirror up. Like if, if we don't have any uniques, let's figure them out. You know, right. let's get some brain power in the room and really figure out what is, you know, unique about this particular design firm amongst others, because we should believe we are best in class. And then a, a piece that's really, um, you know, near and dear to my heart is the process. And, um, you know, this is where we are going to be overlaying that story brand where we kind of started the conversation and that story arc where we have a character who has a problem, meets an expert, and they create a plan. And so the process is like the plan, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the plan? Um, you know, we used, did I did I use Katniss and Hamish as an example? Uh, you did in a conversation with me, and I actually just wrote that down. I was like, we've got to bring that up because it resonated yeah. with me from the Hunger Games. Right, from the Hunger Games. So that's another one. Katniss was the character. You know, she went into, uh, I mean, I'm not going to remember all the right words, but she got selected and she had to go into the game. So she had a problem, right? She had to win or she was going to die. So that was her problem. And so she met a guide, which we kind of laughed about, Aaron, when we talked about Hamish was 
kind of a drunk, but <laughs> he offered, Maybe not the greatest guide, but he was a guide, guide, right? Yeah, he was a guide. And, well, his plan was a good one. So his plan was that we are going to go out and we're going to solicit um, we're going to solicit support by creating a love story that everybody's going to buy into. And they're going to start giving us, remember, they would drop like different resources and things. Right. They loved Katniss. So it was a really good process plan that Hannah, you know, put out for Katniss. So what I want to emphasize here is that that's what our clients are looking, our potential clients are looking for. They want to know that you have empathy for them. They want to know that you understand what their pain problems are. They want to hear that you've worked with other people like them who've been in their shoes. So empathy, empathy, empathy all day long. And then they want to know that you have a plan. So expert, expert, expert all day long. Mm -hmm. And that process, I would recommend that you name and if you can name your proven process, then it starts branding it at the top of the funnel, top of the marketing funnel in your website, in your Instagram, in your social, you know, you're, you're starting to brand your unique process and plan. And then it mm-hmm. starts coming all the way down that funnel till you are sitting in front of a potential partner, potential, potential client. And you're saying, you know, this is our process. It's called, um, you know, the Pearl Collective way. It's called, uh, you know, the Pearl Collective journey. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, right. I mean, we can name it. And then from that naming, we create the steps and we're able to lay it out for them when we actually have them in front of us, you know, how they're going to move through our process. Well, this is really helpful to go through. And so just to review, we always start at the pain problem first. So upper right, and then we go down to the product, we go over to the position, and then we go up to the process with the end goal being that we name our process. Do you have any other um, examples of uh, like naming a process and how creative you can get with that? Yeah, I do love this. This is probably one of my favorite things. It gives me such joy. And I think it's because... um, I love pictures. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I'm very visual. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, I get the story concept. Yeah, I get the character. You know, it, that resonates with me. That's why I go back to why story brand was so impactful for me, not only in when I was selling, but when I was trying to, you know, work um, on marketing, you know, for entrepreneurial companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get the character, get the problem, get that. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, now we make a picture. And so, um, you know, a couple examples, I have a client who I'm working with who's in wealth advisors, they're wealth advisors and they're named Gerber. Um, And so we created the Gerber gateway and that's coming from, you know, it's on their website, it within the Gerber gateway, here's where you are, we're doing a discovery call, we're moving to alignment, here are the different tiers that we could potentially put you in. And then you're going to roll into ongoing services, you know, and moving forward. Um, so that would be, uh, that would be an example. Another client that I had recently, it's more in the tech space. Um, we are calling them the localized legend. So it's like a legend, you know, like kind of moving. Almost like a map legend. Yeah. A map legend. And what I love about the picture guys is that not only does it orient your potential client with where they are, but also orients whoever is client facing in that conversation. Here's where we are. I'm potentially selling it to you. Well, maybe when we move to delivery with your designers, if 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 it's not the same person, they bring that back out. They bring that map back out and they say, here's where we are now. Mm-hmm. And so it orients 
and creates a really amazing customer engagement experience. I love that. Well, um, do we have any other questions just while we're here and we're sharing our screen on this particular tool that you guys are going to be able to take back with you um, on the customer trust builder? Um, I know we are asking the order again. So, George, thank you so much for paying attention. Uh, so the pain or the problem, then you go into the product, then you go position and then up to process. Any other questions on this? All right. Uh, Lord Design said, it feels like we all have such similar good offerings and attributes. What are some tools to help us drill down on what really makes us unique? Yeah. And I go back to that, what this means to you is. So you being the potential customer. So write down, you know, if you're writing down, we have a great design team. If you feel like that, it can resonate with a potential client, fabulous. Or if it's that our design team has 300 years collective experience, what this means to you is we have experience in retail, residential, restaurant, you know, whatever that might be, come up with, it can be, a, it can be a little bit more of a generic, unique attribute. As long as you're making the what this means to you, potential customer, is really detailed. Mm -hmm. And what that's going to do is it's going to give you confidence as well. Um, yeah. And I was also thinking, too, I know Emma was saying, yes, but we all have the same attributes. Like, we we all are actually very different. Like, that's our unique gift to the world, right? So some could, it could be that you have a unique experience that, you know, during your college years, you got to go do design over in France. Um, it could be that maybe you had a profession before that was in fashion, or I know one of our clients was in the, um, was in the, oh gosh, um, you know, the C-suite world of engineering. Yeah. And right. completely different brain, like is very creative and creates beautiful spaces. But at the end of the day, she has that that brain that's very structured around processes and procedures and and what needs to come next and the management of a project. Um, so and and I mean, I don't have that experience. So that's something that is unique to her that wouldn't be unique to my design firm. Absolutely. And I would say do some market research you know, on this, if you're feeling a little like lost as to what exactly is your unique, go back to your best customers, mm -hmm. your best clients, and especially those who may have worked with other firms or other, you know, service providers and ask them what they found unique about the experience of working, you know, with your firm. Um, they might share with you, your communication was bar none, you know, like your mm -hmm. level of uh, engagement at each step of the process really was phenomenal. And it made me feel like I could trust that you had it under control. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could say one of our uniques is our high, high level to detail orientation. What this means to you is to that, mm -hmm. um, you know, and using things like that. And so I would say if you're feeling like you're at a little bit of a loss, go to your team, number one, because many of them may have worked at different firms or, you know, with different um, had different experiences and then go to your check writers. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
Yeah, you know, we also um, have included a tool called the Ideal Client Profile on your um, download page. And it's another kind of twist on this. It's um, you really would probably feel kind of fill that out first to kind of think through the different types of people that you want to serve. And you can have more than one type of person that you want to serve. It could be that you love to work with the snowbirds in their vacation homes, but then you really love to work with bachelors that are living in high rises and and they just want it done and um, they have a budget and they just want to get it done so that their place looks great whenever they have people over. Um, There's so many different types of people out there, but you take that ideal client profile and we walk you through some different questions to really dive into those people then you can go, okay, look, let's look at these different these different avatars that I have. And some of them have the same problem. They just, they need help with design. They wanna have a better life. They wanna enjoy their space more. And some of them have very unique problems, right? Of what they're looking for. The snowboards might be looking for one level, um, you know, areas um, and maybe they're trying to design for what they need as they get older. I think that's a great, great segue too, because when we're talking about marketing and then pulling it through to closing business, mm-hmm. you know, when you're feeling like, hmm, how do we fill this funnel up top level? We want to bring, again, that awareness, going back to that IKEA example, I didn't know I had a problem until IKEA told me I had a problem. So with the bachelors or the snowbirds, you know, talk to them specifically, make them aware, you know, Snowbirds, are you are you are you worried you're not going to get the same level of design at your vacation home as you do at home base? Mm-hmm. Bachelors, do you wonder and worry? And you can always use, do you wonder, do you worry, do you you know, do you think that you may not have you know the design style that your friends do? You know, like things like that. And right. I'm not saying it's happened to the negative because. I don't feel like IKEA tapped into the negative for me. I feel like they made me aware of what I I didn't know, what I was blind to uh, in terms of getting a child ready to go off to college. So I think that's our job in marketing and then pulling through, you know, to closing a customer is to make them aware of how we are the experts and how we can help solve their problem. Well, and I think too, just talking about like, understanding how they feel, right? The emotion of it. So going back to your example of college, that's such an exciting time, right? There's such a checklist of things that have to get together. And then there's the frustrating time of, has your kid actually been checking his email and making sure that he's getting the things done that he needs to get done before he arrives? And then there's the emotional part of like, the baby is flying the nest, right? Like it's a new chapter, Usually the moms and dads are excited to see them go, but a little, you know, can't wait to see them again. And there's that emotion too. So, you know, I think what you're, what I'm hearing you say is Ikea is making that transition easier because it's like, here's the checklist, right? Here's the checklist of things that you need to do um, to make that transition easier and a a little bit more fun. So you're prepared. It's empathy, right? Because we talked about empathy. The empathy, it's empathy. We get you. We've been there. We've gone through this before. We've been, you know, we've been helping kids get to college for X, Y, Z number of years. Empathy, 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 empathy. We've been in your shoes. We can help. And so that's where what I would offer to this community is that we're offering that empathy. You know, we've seen clients like you, they're frustrated with their space. They don't know if they're, you know, up on the design trends. They don't feel like they can welcome people into the space or it reflects who they are. If it's a restaurant, are they worried that, 
you know, it might start looking a little shabby and be a reflection on what the quality of the food is, you know, so we get it. We've been in your shoes. We understand. We have clients that have come before you that have felt these same things. Right. So I definitely suggest taking that ideal client profile and thinking through those different types of people that you serve. And then that's going to that's going to be a great entry into Kate's form here, where then you're like, well, what are their pains and their problems? And what is it that I have to give and what makes me really unique? And, you know, Emma, I would also suggest, too, I think this is where we kind of all get that like imposter syndrome a little bit like. Well, like it's kind of smoke and mirrors, or maybe I don't really deserve to be here because I, I didn't get a design degree or my path was different than this other designer. And and it's easy to just kind of like put us all into one basket, right? Like, well, we're just all the same. Well, we're not. Like we offer a lot of the the same um, brilliance as far as designing interiors and running incredible businesses, but we all do have a different eye, a different look a different feel some people want modern some people want grand grandmother modern you know <laughs> like they're that's yeah. the thing now it's your so. perspective right it's your mm-hmm. it's your unique perspective and you know i love donald miller story brand i'm not gonna i'm not going to think about it exactly the same way because i have the perspective of sitting in a, a sales seat for much of my career and engaging with with customers directly and working to close business so mm-hmm. perspective is what really brings your unique attributes to the table. Yeah. Right. So really thinking about that perspective and, you know, this can be hard. And this is why we bounce around with, you know, really smart people like, you know, folks, you know, within this community of, I think this is a unique of mine, but maybe let me go back and ask one of my best clients. Does this, does this resonate? hmm Well, it could also be your upbringing or, you know, where you got to travel, where you've gotten to travel in your life, unique experiences that you've had. So um, there's so much to that. Okay, well, let's um, let's kind of continue on the conversation here. Um, How do you create top of mind awareness that sticks and attracts your ideal clients? So I think maybe the answer resides a little bit in the process that you just talked about, Um, but um, I'll give that back to you. Yeah, I, again, I think it is um, that top of line or the top of the funnel is just bringing awareness to to a problem that they may not know that they have. And so, um, you know, are you ready for to host Thanksgiving and dinner? Are you ready to host holiday a holiday event? Is your space fresh? Like, you know, oh, my gosh, I don't have that. It's August. Do I really have that problem right now? Yeah, we right. might. We might have that problem right now. Um, so bringing awareness to any challenges or problems that, you know, they may have in their subconsciousness that they don't know. Okay. So what changes have you seen in marketing in the last few years? I mean, gosh, we've, we've had to pivot and do so many new different ways of working, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I would say that one thing that I've really seen just in the last 18 months to 24 months is we're, we're seeing that there is a real focus on, um, you know, we have a lot of visionaries in this room, entrepreneurs in this room, and there's a, a focus on really creating a, a social awareness, not only around the company, but also around the founder, leader, visionary of the company. Um, we call those social visionaries. So if you're thinking about like LinkedIn or Instagram, it's yes, there's the company and there's kind of a page around the company, but people really want to see 
who who is um, who's the forefront? Who's the driver? Who who's that thought leader? So I would say that's a big change um, okay. that we've seen, and I also think shifting the website, kind of that front end funnel, to reflect everything that we're talking about and to create a branding of you know the process and bringing that through marketing. And then there's just like the basic things that we all know. I mean. Necker started at an advertising agency in DC where we were we were putting ads in the Washington Post, right? I mean, that right. is not happening anymore. We have to go, we have to go digital, we have to go social. So Sasha, I'm gonna just ask you to tell us a little bit more about your question. You said I'm I worry about that that being upselling them. I think you might be referring, Sasha, and I hope I'm telling saying your name right, um, to the proven process. Are you feeling like the proven process is what you're worried about being an upsell to them? I think, you know, when you say bringing awareness to the problem that they didn't know they had, I think um, I see how that's valuable to them to understand. But I also sometimes have clients who are, you know, we all have our clients who come to us very specifically about what they want to for us to work on in terms of scope and what is their budget and what is the the focus of our work because there's so much talk in the industry and in the media about uh, projects going over budget that I think people feel like oh my god if I tell them that it's gonna if I give them a five hundred thousand dollar budget it's gonna cost me seven fifty because mm-hmm. that's I mean there's a lot of that also so I just worry about. Um, even though we know what they need and what they could use, which would make their life way easier and be ahead of the curve, are we talking about a certain segment of client demographic that has a budget of, say, you know, who, who has the ability to go 30% over their budget and without it really impacting their lifestyle? Or are we, you know what I mean? I think that's the trouble that I, when we go into these meetings and we're like, we're like, hey, you're going to need this. Yes, I know you're going to need this, but it almost takes time to get them to that place versus I think I think you're trying to say be the expert, but I'm just worrying about how salesy does it come across. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And, you know, for me personally, I've never, I think, I think like sales is a, it feels like a dirty word and I've done this for 20 years, sales and marketing, you know, at that intersection. But the re- the way that I reconcile it is that if I am serving and solving a problem, you know, if they don't want to be served, they're not my ideal client. So if I'm sharing with them how my solution, this is my solution to what you're, what we're, what we're engaging with as, as the problem, you know, you're telling me and here's how I can serve. And we do have to be willing to let some non-ideal clients walk away. Mm. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. And that might be something that you think about as you're falling, as you're really thinking through your ideal client and their pains and what makes you unique is maybe your unique, your ideal client needs to be adjusted a little bit. Maybe it needs to change to those people that are, are willing to have not feeling like it's an upsell, but seeing, you know, the expertise that you bring to the table, seeing that, oh, there could be a second project with her pretty soon. That's around the corner. And could it be an upserve? Could we upserve? You know, I would just say, maybe try to just flip that language. How do we upserve rather than upsell or 
pull through sales, it's pull through serve, you know, and it sounds very simplistic, but um, it's helped keep me grounded with, you know, with if I'm answering a question to a problem that they have, go back to any of the examples I, you know, just shared, and I'm an expert guide, then I feel confident. I feel confident that when I go into this conversation, I know what, you know, my product is. I know what is unique about my product. I know that I have a really simple process for them to engage with my company um, and with my designers. And, you know, if, and I also know my value. And so if I'm, if I'm putting a price on it and it's not the price that answers their problem, well, there's probably somebody else that could answer their problem at a lower price. So um, going back to one of the, the the changes that you've seen in marketing um, with social media and, and really the visionary having more of a voice, mm-hmm. um, do you have some tips on like if, if somebody is like, well, gosh, I'm working so hard on making sure that we're on social media right now and we're, you know, we're present and we're there and we've got posts and we're being interactive, um, but they don't necessarily have kind of that visionary's voice behind it. What would some of the suggestions be um, to start making the steps to get there? Well, do you have a sense, Erin, for like on this on this um in this audience, it, are people doing their own social or are they relying on somebody it's, on their team? It varies. Or? Yeah, okay. it varies. Some people okay. are doing their own. Um, okay. Some people have someone on staff that's able to help them with that. Sure. And okay. some people are outsourcing to a company to help them with. Right. In any in any of those three scenarios, I think, think about, let's use Instagram. Use Instagram. Is Instagram or LinkedIn kind of, do you feel like it? Because I feel like both of them are very relevant, especially LinkedIn now. Um, so we can use either example. I think the designers are on both platforms, but more okay. focused right now on Instagram because it's a more of a portfolio platform to show Got their it. work. And I would I would offer spend a little bit more time on LinkedIn because that's where a lot of uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs, um, you know, the folks that I think would be your ideal client, mm-hmm. you know, are. Um, and on any of those platforms, you know, you have your you have your company platform that's going to engage and do social engagement. So, for example, um, let's say Pearl Collective. Let's use Pearl Collective as an example and Gale. Right. So let's say just using those two as an example, Pearl Collective is going to engage as Pearl Collective with other thought leaders and, you know, bounce in and like it, make a comment. So, you know, I would expect that Pearl Collective as the company is doing some of that social engagement. And then I would want to see, you know, Gail as her own account also popping in and, and having that social engagement. And now, you know, for those who outsource, you can outsource this. You can give it to somebody on your team. You can give it to your outsourced marketing team and say, these are the 10 people I want to be sure that once a week, we are either Gail is saying, hey, and like that, awesome, or Pro Collective is coming in and doing some social engagement. We call it share the love, right? I call it share the okay. love. So share the love. Love that. Well, let's talk a little bit about AI. 
Um, I know that's been a hot topic for everybody, you know, just I mean, I was even talking to a seventh grader yesterday about AI and logarithms and what he's doing with that. Um, like that kid's going to move some mountains for sure. But um, he should probably talk right now. Then I know Well, it's funny because I, I was helping pick up a kiddo from school and I happened to be on a call with my business coach. So I introduced the two of them and they had this like quick five minute conversation about nothing that I I knew about it was all very AI technical. <laughs> so I love that. Um, so with AI, uh, do you see that becoming a part of marketing for design firms in the future? Absolutely. You know, I mean, everything from the AI that's offered now with like HubSpot, you know, with CRMs, you know, there is just so many really cool things. And I am not an expert, you know, by any means, I'm keeping my finger on the pulse. And um, as somebody who likes things to be, I struggle sometimes at the beginning of creating things. I love when things are halfway done and then I can take it from there. So that's why AI or ChatGPT has been really impactful for me personally. Like I'm the kind of person who... If I'm traveling, I like to Google an itinerary, see what yeah. people, what other people are doing, what other you know folks who've spent more time than me or have more energy, you know, or capacity to do research, what their travel itinerary is, and then I put my own perspective and my own creativity on it. So if we're talking about ChatGPT, there's some ways that you can go in there and get a starting point um, for a, a marketing campaign or for um, you know creating a proven process. You know, there are ways that it can just come back to you with a place to start. Now, for some of us, especially for because this is a creative group that may feel uncomfortable. And if you, your jam is starting things from scratch and building it, you know, it may not be as impactful for you in your, you know, in your um, marketing. But I say lean in. An, an interesting place as as a starter, as an idea starter, if you have an idea and you're just trying to kind of brainstorm some, some words to use in some of your marketing, ChatGPT can be really helpful with that. Um, I know I recently learned about over on Canva, we use Canva for a lot of our oh, yeah. graphics. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a, an AI over there where you can actually create, you can put in information like I would like a cat that's doing interior design that wears glasses, right? And it will create an image of uh, several images of a cat doing interior design, whatever the AI thinks that looks like wearing glasses. And the cool part about it is it's actually an image that no one has ever used before. And it's unique to what you just created, um, which Google loves that. Yes. So we're starting to play around. I don't, I'm not looking for a lot of cats with glasses in my (laughs) materials, but you know, it was really interesting to see that's also very creative. Like, gosh, like, what can we do with that? I think the other thing too, is to just start learning too. That makes, you've got to really know who you're serving and what their pain points are, because sometimes it might assume something about your audience. It might say, oh, these, these bachelors are sad. Well, no, these are not sad bachelors. These are happy, excited bachelors that are vibrantly living life that want to spend money with an interior designer. Um, So sometimes it assumes things about a certain group of people or a certain type of occupation and and you have to go through and correct that for them. So, you know, just learning as we go, I think. 
Yeah. And, you know, you can even drill down to if um, the designers on this in this audience have favorite designers, you know, that you lean on for inspiration and for news. You can even go as deep as I'm creating a room with this, this and this. I would love a couple ideas with using this designer, that designer, you know, and they'll you may get a really interesting blend. Um, You know, it's just using your resources as a starting point. And full permission, you're putting your own creativity on it. Just like I'm sharing here with Donald Miller Story Brand. Love it. I think it's amazing. But you're getting a different perspective and creativity with me sharing how I look at it. Right. I love that. So um, what do you recommend as your uh, marketing materials or visuals that designers are using to sell your prospects during the discovery process? Yes. And thank you for that question, because it's really a passion place for me, because the simplicity in the messaging starts, again, at the top of the funnel with website and social and all of those things. But our goal is to bring it down to being in front of a potential client and ready to close that business. Right. And um, I tend to, you know, I like pictures, uh, but I tend to go to one picture and that is your process, your plan, right. You're the expert. And when you are in front of somebody, you guys have beautiful material, but they want to see what your plan is to work with them. So again, naming that proven process, creating the steps of it, walking them through how they will engage with you. So again, it's a map. And what maps do is they ground us in place. And so they'll ground you in place if you're the one who is, you know, in that surveying conversation with a potential customer. And it will also ground your customer or potential customer in place to how they would move forward with you. I love that. Okay, so what are some of the top three, let's say top three to five marketing strategies that you feel work best for design firms? Oh my goodness, drilling it down, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, we talked about, you've mentioned LinkedIn and being present on LinkedIn. You've yeah, mentioned, um, being a social, the, having that social visionary. Be, you yeah, know, the visionary on social. Thought leader, become a thought leader on social. I would say simplifying your your message and pulling it all the way through from the top of the funnel, which is like the website and the you know the social, all the way to it's a branding message. So what is it called? You know, how are we uh, talking to our clients not only on the screen but in front of them and saying the same thing? So simplifying that message. Um, what that's going to do when you simplify that message is it's going to become compelling. You know, you are not going to be crusty in your messaging. It's going to be very compelling and Mm -hmm. you are going to have a lot more confidence. So that would be like my second thing is simplify that message so you can have more confidence. Um, And then, you know, third, there's, there's just, you know, so many different things. I would just say, hold some space. It's so hard. We're all so busy and we're moving so fast. Hold some space to think about the problem. I think if we can really spend time there, and if there's one thing coming out of this, I would hope maybe take an hour on your calendar next week and just have a clarity break on what problem do my potential customers have? And then I think that will shape so much of what we've talked about. I love that. 
Um, so, you know, we've had a lot of chit chat today, um, this morning about pipelines drying up, pipelines slowing down, mm-hmm. businesses slowing down. Some For some, it's a, a welcome breather. Um, for most, they're not really loving that Love feeling it. of things slowing down. So what advice can you give to, des- to designers who pipelines are dry and how, how could they possibly fill those up more quickly again? Well, working across industries with different clients, I can tell you that this is um, this this challenge is agnostic across industries. People are feeling it this summer, but I am I've been hearing some things, you know, around the economy that there's there's going to be a little bit of a, a pop. I'm no expert, but I'm hearing that once we move into fall, there is definitely going to be a little bit of a pop. But what I would say when they're when you're feeling like man, you know, my, my CRM was filled up and now why are we not closing? Because that's what we're hearing a lot. It's like, it's there, but nobody's making that, you know, pulling that trigger mm-hmm. on, on signing on the dotted line. Um, go back to your existing clients. You know, go back to your existing clients, going back to the example of create a, go to GPT. I need a marketing campaign around getting your house ready for the holidays, right? And then send it out to your newsletter and, you know, go back to that existing client base because there's a much more opportunity to pull through from somebody who loves us than closing, you know, a cold lead. Right. The the um the warmest leads are the people that we're working with or have recently worked with. Absolutely. Um, so that also leads me to thinking about referrals. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the best ways to ask for referrals? Sometimes asking for referrals feels kind of like the sales word. It doesn't feel very good um, for interior designers. Sure. You know, I the way I look at about referrals, I'll answer your question very specifically, but broadly, as we're working with a client through the design process, we should be thinking about that all the way through and finding out things like what type of cohorts are they part of? Where are they networking within their community? You know, learning about are they part of, if they're a a professional entrepreneur, are they part of Vistage? Are they part of, um, you know, WIPO? Are they part of, you know, something within their community, the PTA? Like, where are they spending their time with like-minded people? That's what I want to find out. And I'm learning about that through the customer engagement journey so that when we come to the end of that experience, it's very natural to say, um, you know, Aaron, I just want you to understand that you are a, an ideal client for high peak growth. And if I could have a hundred errands, I would like a hundred errands. Um, you know, who else are you, are you potentially engaged with maybe in WIPO that you think would be appropriate for, you know, to connect us? Okay. I love that idea. And I do think there's nothing wrong with telling people they are, you are their ideal client or they are your ideal right. client. I want to hire more of you, right? Yes. Like you yes. are great. You, you've been great to work with the whole time. So, okay. Well, let's see if we have um, any, any questions from the audience here. Um, well, we've got Kate on, we've got a few more minutes with her. Um, Annalisa asks, do you, do you recommend to have a newsletter? That question's come up a couple of times today already. About a newsletter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, people are, the newsletter thing is still pretty strong. Um, you know, I really do see it over and over. I don't unsubscribe from ones that I see because sometimes I get little nuggets here and there. 
Um, and, you know, it should be part of your marketing awareness strategy to be audience sharing with people in your, in your, um, your industry. So for example, like if you do a happy hour, do a happy hour with, we have a, a center called the Conway Business Group here in Columbus, ask to get that list of people who come to that event. Always, always, always be asking to get lists wherever you go, whenever you engage and add them to your marketing awareness campaign. Um, whether that's, you know, in Flowdesk or MailChimp and just keep building that list and yes, sending so, out. Yeah. Let's just talk about that for a minute because that is my world. I'm always at places and I'm asking for lots of people. Lists. Um, that doesn't mean that you can necessarily add them directly to your newsletter because there's a lot of pretty hardcore spam laws. So when, um, when you mention like MailChimp or something like that, having um, MailChimp might be what they're using, designers might be using for their newsletters, but having like another place that you could go load a list for a one-time mailing for your marketing awareness, like a constant contact that said, hey, this is who I am. This is what makes me unique. I've got this awesome proven process. I've got a newsletter and I'd love for you to sign up with a link to that and then opts them in into your MailChimp list. Um, so it's really important, as, especially as you start building a newsletter list, to really be aware of the rules and aware of how to go about that, but not to a point where you're like, I'm just not even going to try. <laughs> right. No, and they can always opt out, right? So yeah. that's important to you know, follow those rules. Like we want to make sure we're staying above board on all of that. So Lord uh, Design said, um, I've been doing a newsletter for about six months and now I've really liked the response. I keep it very personal, personal, helpful and light. So Gail and I actually started blogging weekly in 2009 and we started pretty quickly thereafter a newsletter. And what we do is we always have an article a week. And so the beginning of that article is in our newsletter, which then they click and it takes them over to our blog where there's a lot a lot of things to read on our blog and on our site. So again, if you get into blogging, um, whether you do that weekly, which is aggressive, or if you would decide to do that a couple of times a month or a couple of times a quarter, that's some great content for um, to kind of get a double whammy on that that content, that newsletter. Do you guys ever do um, videos with embedded within your newsletter, Erin? Because that's something else I've seen that I kind of We've like. done a little bit, but I'd like to do more of it. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. And, you know, there's different ways you can get different platforms you can, you can use, um, but you'll get, you might get more clicks than going through, you know, to your website, create more SEO, things like that. And with all of this that we're talking about, Gail has a great point. Just, you, got, you have to stay consistent with it. So if it's not something that you're going to do, but something, someone on your team or somebody you're going to outsource to, just have a plan that you've reviewed in place so that it is consistently going out. All right. We've got one more question that came in from Stacy. How do you reach out to clients you haven't spoken with in years? Call them, tell them, tell them you've got a new proven process you want to share. You're so excited about and would love their feedback. They worked with you. You know, this is something you're, that you're launching. Uh, would love to get their feedback. Um, ask them, you know, I'm doing some market research. I'm working on my website. Would you mind sharing with me what you thought the uniques were? Ask them a question to engage. Keep it so simple too. Like, wordy emails, no. You know, yeah. maybe call them and then send a quick little an email. But people love to be asked questions. Yeah, questions to engage. And I would also parallel that with while you're working on your client journey and all of your touch points, now's a great time to never have that happen again where you haven't talked to them in ages. Send birthday cards, 
find out when their kids are graduating from college, send anniversary cards or a reminder of like, today's the day we got you in that new kitchen, right? Keep in mind those anniversary moments that you could text them about, you can send them flowers for, you can send a card in the mail. Um, all of those touch points really, really um, are helpful. Um, and then one last question we have here, and then we're gonna move on um, to our basic training is what are some apps to do video on newsletters? So Gail suggested Vimeo as one option. I think uh, Loom may have an option. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I haven't actually, I haven't physically done a video newsletter. Did somebody, so Loom is an option. Yeah. Um, there's one other one that I've used that I can send to you, um, but people on here may have other ideas. You know, the other thing you can do is just literally shoot a Zoom video and then convert it. You know, go onto Zoom. You can do the background you want, shoot the Zoom video, do, do a handheld video, and then download it and drop it in. Okay. Well, Kate, Thank you so much. I feel like, again, we were saying this with Gears and I feel like we could talk all day on this and maybe we'll have to one day. We will. <laughs> um, but I so appreciate um, your insights and your unique process that you bring to the table and um, for sharing with our Operation Thrivers today. So thank you for coming and we just appreciate you so much. Thank you, Erin. I appreciate you and um, hope to uh, cross paths with some of you guys in the near future. Definitely. Thank you so much. This episode was recorded live during our Operation Thrive event. So if you weren't able to attend with us, be sure to listen to the full episode. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Collective, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or visit us at thepearlcollective.com.